you can be yourself without filtering at any point. You know, with no filter, with no anxiety, with no fear of judgment. You can just own everything it is to be you, all of the experiences that you've had, and you don't hide any of that. If you're ready to say yes to your wealthiest and most abundant life, overflowing bank accounts, and a deep sense of inner fulfillment, well, then you are definitely in the right place. Welcome to the Girl Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, Helena Grace Donald, and I'm a money mindset expert, success, and business coach. But really, all you need to know is that I am obsessed with helping women feel safe and in total flow around money. So let's do this. Welcome back to the Girl Unfiltered podcast. Today, I'm having a conversation with Haley June Lloyd. Again, I have realized from this conversation how much I absolutely love having conversations with women that I'm already connected to because Haley is actually a previous client of mine and we worked together on a very, very deep level and certainly got to know one another. And she's fast become a great friend of mine. And it's funny because she actually talks about how she called me in energetically as a coach and kind of surrendered and trusted the universe was going to bring her the most soul aligned coach. And I actually thank her because in doing so, she brought me a really soul aligned client. And it was an absolute pleasure and honor to support her in her money mindset journey. And This lady is doing absolutely epic things and we're going to talk about some really powerful topics in today's conversation. Haley has a very high up position at Canva, which if you're an entrepreneur, I'm probably guessing that you have used some of the features and the tech stuff that she's actually responsible for and has probably designed. But not only does she have that uh, position, she's also been growing a very successful online coaching business, and she's an intuitive mindset and business coach. Now, her story is super interesting because she's been balancing the two of them, and there's certain reasons why, and we'll talk more about that today. And I love how open and honest she is about the fact that she is balancing both. And while we were working together, Haley has very quickly gone on to create $10,000 months and far beyond that while balancing that full-time career. So for anyone who has been on that journey or is on this, this journey while they grow their online business or side hustle, this is definitely a perfect podcast episode for you. But we also go so much deeper than that. We talk about some very, very real core limiting money beliefs that Haley didn't realize that she had. We also talk about what authenticity means and how important authenticity is when it comes to showing up online and creating the most soul aligned business. But authenticity is a bit of a buzzword and it sounds all very well and good, but we can all have some very serious internal battles and conflicts going on that make us feel like it's unsafe being our authentic selves. So we talk about that amongst many other things. And as you know, you're going to hear from as soon as this podcast conversation begins, how much fun we start having. And there's lots of laughter as well as some very deep, poignant topics. So let's let this conversation do the speaking for itself. Without further ado, let's dive straight in. 
I am very excited for today's conversation because it's with somebody that I feel like I know very well who has become what I would call an online friend more than just a client, somebody that I've worked with on a deep level. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Self-appointed BFF. We will take it. Yes. (laughs) Let's correct it early. (laughs) (laughs) That will be going into the bio in the show notes, obviously podcast episode with BFF. Absolutely. (laughs) I just love these conversations because I feel like there's so much more inflow and real when you know somebody on that level. So we've both, you know, we've both got what I think, well, I've got a cup of tea. Have you got a cup of tea? I've got one, but it's really cold. So uh, I do, but it's not enjoyable anymore. Yeah, that doesn't count. (laughs) That really doesn't count. I have water as well, yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So we're going to have... On my end, a chat over a cup of tea, and we're probably going to talk about some epic woo-woo stuff, a lot about money mindset and both of our entrepreneurial journeys. But I thought because I know you, we've worked together, and officially we're now BFFs, (laughs) the people listening maybe don't know you as well. So I want to do like a quick fire round of random questions just so people can get to know a little bit about you in a fun way. Is that okay? Love it. Do it. Okay. First question, where were you born? I was born in Oxfordshire in the UK. I'm British as well. I just had a flash in my mind. I'm like, she's about to give me like a star seed planet for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was my second guess. (laughs) Pleiades. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, that would be what Hayley says. (laughs) Um, Oh my God, I didn't even say your name at the top. I I will have recorded a... a, a, Recorded a separate introduction, but you guys, we're joined by Haley Lloyd. Hi, guys. I'm Haley. <laughs> Going well so far. This, this is how relaxed this podcast episode is going to be. I literally didn't say your name. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> we know where you're born, but you don't live there anymore. So where do you now live? I now live in Sydney, Australia. So I moved over here about three, three and a half years ago now. Um, and it is currently absolutely freezing, which is not what they tell you when you're living in the UK. Sydney is meant to be this very hot place all the time. And I got here and it's definitely not. So I'm currently wearing a beanie. Helena had to tell me to turn my fan heater off because it was too loud. (laughs) Yeah. It didn't sound so good. (laughs) So, um, excuse if there's any teeth chattering or anything. (laughs) It is pretty strange to think because I have two clients in Australia and they're both telling me it is the most cold it's ever been for them and they've lived in the UK and that is not what you expect from Australia is this a normal thing it is pretty normal the, the problem is that we don't have buildings that are built for the cold so we don't have heating we don't have double glazing so if it's four degrees outside it is four degrees inside and so we just don't have any way of, of insulating them unless if you've got a building that has like an aircon system that also does heating, which very few buildings do. So everyone's just left shivering, basically. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Just as we're all like getting into our bathing suits for summer, you're over there shivering. Yeah, I've got numb hands and feet. <laughs> what inspired you other than the incredible weather to move to Australia? That's a big move. It was a big move. It was a big move. Um, and it was actually one that I had wanted to do for years. Like since I was a child, I'd always dreamt of living in Australia. Um, I'd always 
been told that I'd really suit it. I'd really suit the lifestyle. And, you know, I was actually, when I was living in London at the time, I was really sort of abusing alcohol, drugs. Um, I had really, really bad mental health. Um, I was experiencing severe anxiety and depression. And I was in a group of friends. We went out all the time and I was basically just on like the treadmill of London life, like not really knowing how to get off it at all. Um, And it got to sort of a stage where I was like, I'm either going to be in this for forever and continuing to battle with my mental health, or I have to find a way to escape. And I'm massive on law of attraction, manifestation. So the universe basically aligned and provided me with this beautiful opportunity to come to Australia for five weeks. And I just completely fell in love with the place. And I did, I went back gave in my notice for my flat. And within three months, I moved out. It was a very, very quick decision that my parents were not best pleased about, but they really, (laughs) really did support. But it was something that I needed to do to heal myself, really. I was completely losing myself in London. I was struggling on so many different levels. I completely lost my voice. I didn't know who I was. Every single day just felt like a battle when I was living in the UK. Initially, it was part of like reclaiming who I was. Um, I think when I got over here, I did think, oh, everything's going to be fixed now that I've moved to a hot place. And it wasn't. It didn't work like that, obviously. You know, there was still so much healing that I needed to do, which, you know, Helena has been a a big part of as well in like the the latter years of it. But um, yeah, for me, the inspiration really came from just, just needing a break. And I think on a spiritual level as well, I have been drawn to this side of the world, um, like near New Zealand, um, because I have had past lives there. And so I think naturally it felt like a very aligned place for me to come in order to sort of feel closer to like different roots that weren't from this lifetime. Yeah, I completely understand that. And this isn't one, I've got like five more fire round questions, but now that you've brought this up, we definitely (laughs) dive a little bit more deeply into this. Like I definitely felt that, I mean, I similarly came out to LA for three weeks, stayed three months and moved here then officially as soon as I possibly could. Mm. And I definitely have a lot of people in my tribe who look at the move that I make and maybe similarly with you and go, I really feel like my tribe isn't really here in the UK. And I, it's not that I didn't have amazing friends. I did, but I felt like my soul wasn't as alive as it could be and as connected as I felt when I came out here. But then on the other end of the spectrum, people saying, but I feel guilty at the idea of like leaving the UK behind or wherever it is that Mm. they're from. Or I feel guilty at the idea of leaving friends and family behind. Like, am I supposed to stay here and raise the vibrations Mm. or do I follow where my soul is calling me? And I would love to know if that was something that you felt at any point or what you would say to somebody who is in that kind of like 50% here, but I really 50% want to be there and feeling torn around that. Yeah, I, I completely relate to that. Um, you know, it's never a light decision deciding to pick up everything and move somewhere else. And it's not that, you know, you forget about your family. At all. You know, there were some really deep conversations that I had to have with my family to allow them to understand why it was important to me. But I think what I realized was I could stay in the UK and I can be unhappy and I can be close to my family, or I can move somewhere that's going to make me happy and where my mental health will be able to heal and get better. And I can be a better daughter and a better friend for the people that I am closest to because 
I think when you're unhappy, when you're in a place where you're not living in your full potential, where you're constantly yearning for something else, it makes day-to-day life very hard because you're constantly looking over your shoulder or, you know, you're going on Instagram and you're seeing someone living the life that you want to live and you start feeling angry, you know, you start feeling resentful and that stuff starts to consume you. And so it's one of those things that although when you put it on paper, people are like, oh, it's a selfish reason to go, but it's actually incredibly selfless because you're putting yourself first so that you can show up better for the people around you, which is the most important thing at the end of the day. Are you a good daughter? Are you a good friend? And if your situation that you're in is holding you back from being those things, then is it actually time to do something for you to allow those relationships to get better? Mm, I couldn't agree more. And I think the same thinking applies to self-care, self-love, even empowering yourself financially and putting those things first in your life. Because at the end of the day, not only does it make you better and more empowered and more balanced for everyone else around you, which means you can then empower them as well. I think that the people that we love also want to see us happy at the end of the day. So if that means following your soul's calling, then that's in alignment with that. A hundred percent. And I think that's the shift that people need to make and that I needed to make at the time as well was that this isn't actually just about me anymore. You know, when I was in the UK and also, you know, financially as well, when I wasn't earning that much money, when I was struggling financially, I wasn't showing up as the best version of me. Whereas, you know, as soon as you step into almost like a more aligned timeline, you allow yourself to facilitate those better relationships, those better friendships. And, you know, when you do go and see your family, it's filled with love and, and passion. And, you know, you can show up with a really full heart and give yourself like a hundred percent instead of always kind of having a half full cup and being like, mm, I'm not feeling that great. And everyone sees that. And I think, you know, my parents definitely realized that I needed to do something to be happy because I wasn't when I was there. Yeah, definitely. And when you did actually make the move, I'm curious, what was the beginning stages of that journey when you actually got to Australia? Like did, you know, I'm just going to say, did all your shit end up coming up in those first few months <laughs> that, that like forced you to have to like go, holy crap, like I'm here in Sydney, Australia and it's coming up. Like I have to look at this, you know, what was that like? <laughs> It was really, really hard. My, my, um, yes, basically the stuff did come up (laughs) (laughs) to put it like bluntly. Um, I, I had maybe about a nine or 10 months where I started drinking even more heavily than I was in the UK because I couldn't get hard enough drugs to basically sober me out when I got to that point. Um, so, you know, I was getting blackout drunk every single weekend and gradually starting to hate myself more and more and more. And, you know, you, you think that a move is going to solve everything and you're like, why haven't I found my partner? Why don't I have the dream body? Why am I still unhappy? What, why do I look in the mirror and hate myself? And, you know, I realized that I had a fear of being by myself and I realized that I had you know, crippling actually body image issues, which is one of the first things that Helena and I sort of actually focused on together. And, you know, I used to look at myself in the mirror and feel physical sickness. You know, I'd be like, I hate myself, you know? Um, And I think those things got exacerbated. So I drank more and I drank more to numb, to numb, to numb. And it sort of got to a stage, there was one night in particular where I was, you know, 
borderline having suicidal thoughts. And I was like, something needs to change. Otherwise, I can't keep on living like this. It sort of took me to a rock bottom place to realize something needed to shift. And then it was definitely a journey from there. But yeah, I needed to go through that to heal myself. You know, it's, it's been part of my soul journey to experience those lows so that I can understand what healing really looks like and to help facilitate that for other people now as well. Absolutely. And sometimes those rock bottoms, like certainly in my life as well, are like the pivotal life-changing moments that you can't help but look back on with actual gratitude. She's like, holy crap, like it woke me up. So what did you do from that moment? You're like, okay, you now have the awareness that something needs to change. But there's one thing knowing that and saying that, and there's another thing in actually taking action towards that. And people can experience a shit ton of of resistance towards that. We've got the cat showing up now as well. Yeah, sorry, cat's (laughs) jumping off on the (laughs) desk. At least the cat could keep you warm. (laughs) Oh no, he just wants to like tear shit up, so. (laughs) Well, coming back to the question, a lot of people can feel resistance to actually implementing the change. Is that something you actively had to work through? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it wasn't as easy as like, okay, a light's turned on, everything's changed now. It was like, okay, a light's on. I know I've got to do something now. So my first step was actually, I joined F45. Um, I don't actually know what that is. F45 is basically like um, a gym. It's like a kind of like CrossFit. Um, And so you, it's like kind of like a culty thing where, you know, you go there, everything's already set out. So you don't even need to think about like what, you know, what exercise you're going to do. And they just nail you basically. And it gets you so, so fit. And so there are things called like F45 challenge. At the time I was pretty overweight, the most overweight I'd ever been in my life and really unhealthy. And so I just basically threw myself into that and replaced going out with going to F45, maybe about eight, eight or nine times a week. Um, yeah, it was crazy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because, you know, I'm not necessarily saying that's the healthiest way to do it, but I I needed to overcome that like addiction piece um, with something else. I needed to refill it with something. I started feeling a bit better. And then I actually met my now partner, who's my fiance, who actually ended up being my twin flame. And the thing with twin flames is, if anyone knows what they are, is typically twin flames, because you have been the same person previously, they are the most triggering person for you as well. So you'll typically meet someone that's like a mirror to you. So we had a really, really electric first week. And then literally after that, all of our triggers were brought to the surface. So it actually sent us into about nine months of just like, I went back into drinking, like, you know, and we had to re-navigate all of that stuff and continuously ask ourselves, is this worth being in this relationship? Because it feels so hard. Why is it so hard? Mm. So because this feels so hard, is this worth us continuing like, and, and to go through all this stuff? But the more that we did and the more that we sort of like healed ourselves and that looked like getting a coach, going to therapy. I realized I had some PTSD, getting specific coaching for PTSD and continually showing up and healing all the times that I felt triggered, that I felt such rage or anger or unfairness or sadness and going deep into those things that's when eventually we got to a stage where we're like, oh, we're actually becoming better people now. And I think it was this incredible, beautiful spiritual journey that both of us went on, incredibly painful at the same time. But 
that's why I say it wasn't like just as as straightforward as like turned on the light. It was, you know, probably about a year and a half journey until I started feeling pretty much back to normal. And you're sober now and you've been sober for, I believe, over a year. So what has that sobriety journey been like for you? Yeah. So it's, it's actually been a year and a half now, which is crazy. Wow. It's been amazing, to be fair. Um, it was really hard to stop at the beginning. So a year and a half ago, yeah, I was about to lose my relationship. I was about to lose my job. Um, I just couldn't keep my feet on the ground. And so I made the decision to stop drinking. And it was hard the first couple of months. But after that, it's been the best decision I've ever made in my life because it's allowed me to build a business. It's allowed me to become a better daughter, a better friend, a better partner. And it gives you so much time. Like the time that I have now that I did not used to have in the evenings because they'd be taken up with drinking is crazy. Mm. It hasn't come without its challenges, but it's the best decision I've ever made. I can't see myself going back to drinking now. Wow. And did it change the way that you socialize or the way that you approach socializing and the also like, let's be real, like growing up in the UK, like it's a very done thing. Like you go out for drinks, like it's, it's part almost of your DNA. Oh yeah. Like what was it like <laughs> to kind of step away from that programming? Um, it, it was really hard actually, because I realized that I made a lot of friends through drinking. And I think, you know, I started actually drinking relatively early when I was young. And I did that because when I was drunk, I could be who I wanted to be. You know, I could be my authentic self. And I felt finally free, you know, because I was experiencing such anxiety from when I was so young that it made just being me really, really hard. And I got bullied a lot when I was younger about who I was and, and how loud I was and how weird I was and, and, and stuff like that. So when I was drunk, it was like this freedom. And so I gradually lost myself to alcohol, but then also lost my personality. And so I made a lot of friends that are not true friends. They were friends for different reasons. You know, I called myself like a chameleon because I could fit into any social situation, which is great in some aspects, but it's completely, you know, it facilitates this loss of self, this loss of voice, this loss of authenticity. And so I ended up with a lot of friends that were purely drinking friends. And especially when I moved over to Sydney, all of the friends that I'd made were through alcohol. And so I sort of realized, you know, I got some pretty nasty comments from people that didn't understand why I would stop drinking and stop the fun. And I was way more fun as drunk Haley. And, you know, even going into like my family, it's such like an intrinsic part of like how I, you know, communicated with my family previously. And I actually haven't seen my family since I've stopped drinking because of COVID. So, you know, there, there's been all of these small conversations that we've had to navigate, you know, around Christmas and those kinds of the years where it's really hard for me to see them drinking heavily and, you know, not out of control heavy. So it's still things that I'm sort of having to navigate around. And I still haven't like gone back and seen like my friends from home who, you know, a lot of our relationships were based in drinking. So I don't, I have no idea how those things are going to go. But it's one of those things that you just kind of have to take it one day at a time and remember why you're doing what you're doing. And I've said to all of them, you know, we're just going to have to find a new way of hanging out, maybe going to a spa or maybe, you know, going for breakfasts instead of dinners. And that's okay. Yeah. But yeah it hasn't come without it. It's trials and tribulations of trying to figure out what the fuck is going on yeah. with like, you know, relationships and how you are in public, you know, when it's incredibly triggering sometimes just to be in public without a drink when you've come from like addiction. 
Yeah, I can totally understand how that would feel. And I don't know if this is too much of a personal question, but we are BFFs, so whatever. Yeah, we're BFFs. (laughs) Does your partner still drink? And has that altered your relationship with him as well in any way? Yeah, really good question. So my partner actually decided to stop drinking at the same time as me. Um, We were twin, you know, because we're twin flames, we actually experienced a lot of the same stuff. So he actually had the same reliance on alcohol and drugs as I did. And so it was kind of, we both got to about the same point at the same time where we were like, we're going to lose everything. Let's make this decision ourselves. So that definitely actually made it easier for me. I was very lucky. I didn't make it easier in terms of like social situations. It came with its, you know, new challenges, but it's only improved our relationship. We've become a lot more, you know, passionate with each other because we're not relying on alcohol for like fun. You know, we're relying on just like our personalities, like what should we do on date night? That's fun and exciting. And, you know, we've actually learned more about each other as individuals and as people, because we don't have to rely on a drug to make us have fun, which is definitely what we used to do previously. Ladies, 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 we have got to pause for a moment because there's a major announcement that I have got to share. If you're listening to this right now, it means that doors to my signature program, Money Mindset Magic, are officially open. And I am so excited that I can finally say those words (laughs) because I feel like I've been holding this back from you all year. And it is one of my favorite things to coach. Last year, the energy in the program was beyond magical. The up levels, the breakthroughs and the connections. And so I have been on the edge of my seat waiting for the perfect moment to relaunch this and finally announce it to you. And I know a lot of you have even been DMing me, asking me when this is going to happen. Well, it's happening right here, right now. This is a powerful and incredible opportunity for you to radically transform your relationship with money and go way deeper into your subconscious limiting beliefs when it comes to your relationship with money and really, really release them on a very deep internal level so that you can step into a powerful story that will not only create more abundance and wealth and prosperity in your life, It has a knock-on effect on all areas of your life. And that's certainly what all the women said from the program last year, that yes, the wins financially were great, but it was what they learned about themselves. It was how they felt they energetically set themselves free, how they finally did not feel blocked stepping into those big goals and dreams and ambitions. And it was just the other day that I received a, a DM from one of the women who was in last year's group saying, remember how I used to talk about this woman that I dreamed of being? Well, I am her right now in so many ways. Oh, and that gives me all the feels. And I would love to invite you to take this opportunity to work with me live and in a very powerful way for three months in this signature program. It is the program where I pour all of my money mindset techniques and tools into. It's the specific work 
that I did on myself to get to where I am today. It's the work I do with my one-to-one clients, but it would be a much, much higher (laughs) ticket or much, much higher price if you were to do it on a one-to-one level. And now it's available for you at this incredible price and really, really doable investment. So I would love for you to join me on this journey. Go and head to the link in the bio and you can see all of the things that this program includes. It's not just live coaching. There are guest experts. There are guest masterclasses. There are bonuses. There's so many epic bonuses in this year's round. So go check them out. And if it is on your heart, if it is speaking to you, let's follow that nudge because I promise you, you will not regret it. When you had to basically remove the crutch, which was the alcohol, which can cause you to obviously bury emotions and feelings, it's a great like way, I suppose, to escape. Now you no longer have an escape mechanism. And for somebody who finds that quite scary, what would you say to them? What are some of the tools they could use when they're going through understanding that it's even safe to be with themselves? Were there tools that you used? Were there methods that you went to? Like, what could you do to support somebody who the idea of that is like, oh my God, terrifying. Mm. So first thing was finding another outlet for me. um, And that looked like exercise. I kind of needed to replace one with the other for a little bit. And whenever like I got a craving or something, I could go for a run or I could go to the gym or I could plan to go to the gym. That was really good for me. The other thing that was really good for me was leaning into spirituality. This is actually over this period was where we had like a big spiritual awakening. So doing a lot of deep meditations, doing a lot of inner work, inner child work, um, shadow work, and allowing myself to sort of be supported by my spiritual team was really, really powerful. I actually, some of the worst cravings that I had, I got through because I could turn to my spiritual team and, you know, even if I didn't hear them audibly or sense them, I knew that they were there and often throwing like a, you know, something into the air, like, you know, spiritual teams, please, can you help me feel more supported in this moment? I'm feeling like a really big craving. The feeling goes down and I don't know whether that's because literally the help, they are giving you that help or whether it's a conscious thing where you're asking for support and your, and your subconscious mind goes into that place, but it always helped um, to do that kind of thing. So I think finding a replacement is really, really powerful. If you can do it with someone as well, that's really good. But learning to be by yourself is is a gradual process. And I think that's why the spiritual connection can help because you don't feel alone. Even if you are by yourself, that can be really, really helpful. But I think sitting in the discomfort, like learning to find solace in the discomfort is probably the biggest piece of advice I can give. And I imagine it obviously gets easier the more that you do that. Yeah, yeah, it definitely gets easier. And knowing that like the discomfort actually only means growth. Mm -hmm. That is the biggest thing. You know, whenever previously I wanted to numb, it's because I didn't understand the feeling of discomfort or like anxiety or disease. And so I wanted to cover it. But Mm -hmm. the more that I understood about the feeling and that it's just trying to tell me something, it's my body saying, hey, look at this thing. This is something you need to deal with. If you deal with this thing, your soul is going to progress. 
you're going to go into that next level version of yourself. That made it a lot easier to acknowledge when I was feeling shitty. Mm, I love that. You mentioned your spiritual team and I really respect you talking openly about that. Like, I love that you're open about and owning because I know from working together that that wouldn't have been the case maybe six months ago. Oh my God, no. So could you talk to us about your spiritual team and what that means for you? Because I'm sure there's lots of people listening who don't know what that means or maybe haven't connected to their spiritual team on that level yet. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna go into that. Before I do, I just wanna say that like, Helena literally helped to transform who I am as a person. (laughs) Like, honestly, I genuinely feel like such a different person now. I feel like I can 100% be myself. And this is something that I'd struggled with for years. So, you know, I, I stopped drinking maybe a year and a half ago, but, and I went on this healing journey, but I was still struggling, you know, with a lot of things. Some of it was body image. Some of it was just self-acceptance, self-worth, um, money blocks, obviously is the main reason I came to you. But like so much has changed where I've managed to like integrate who I am. And the spirituality is like one side of that. So my spiritual team, essentially, we all have a spiritual team and I'm not here to sort of convince anyone at all. It's you can take this like however you want to receive it, but we all have like a support network and they can be made up of like guides, archangels, um, spirit guides, ancestors as well. Ancestors. Yeah. Anyone that basically has like a, an attachment to you and is basically helping to guide you through your, your life. Mm -hmm. They probably may have, um, sign some sort of like soul contract in order to sort of help guide you through that. And so my spiritual team, the main person, I have one main guide called Maureen and, um, she is basically helps me facilitate, you know, whenever I need to do deep healing or energy work, she really helps me sort of like understand where I need to do that work. And I haven't always been very spiritual. This is, you know, I wasn't just born like being able to hear and see and and stuff like that. This is something that I I built this muscle over time. So it's something that everyone can do. And a lot of that just comes through like learning how to meditate properly and everything. But they essentially help whenever I need guidance, Um, whether it's in business, whether it's in life, whether I'm looking for a new coach, whatever it is. I will ask them for guidance and it can come in different ways and they communicate with me in different ways. They'll try to get my attention through angel numbers, through animals, through songs, through words. And it's the same with, um, you know, everyone here that's listening. If you've ever noticed, you know, yourself seeing an angel number, like one, 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 that's a sign from your spirit guides to like, just pay attention to what you're currently doing. Same with like, animals like your ancestors or you know loved ones that have passed on they can really easily communicate through animals so that's another way of like communication and so i have just found like a way for me to feel very supported and to hear their communication which is so so subtle it's so so subtle but i can feel it and hear it and i know that they're with me and i think one of the biggest things that has how i get my connection with them is before i go to sleep If I've got something wrong, I'll sort of just say a little prayer and I'll just say, you know, I'm experiencing a lot of anxiety tonight. Please, can you help me sort this while I sleep so that when I wake up, I wake up with a new perspective. I love that. Every single time I do that, it's always sorted in the morning. Like I'll wake up and I'll either have like an image in my mind or a word in my mind of something that I need to do or be, Mm. or something will have just changed perspective or the anxiety will have gone. And they have always, always come through with that. And so that's one of my biggest pieces of like connection with them. 
but anyone can sort of uh, build that spiritual connection with their spiritual team. It's not reserved for the the highly spiritual at all. (laughs) And also, if you think about that also on a subconscious level, when I hear you say that, I also hear you telling yourself the story that it gets to be solved. You're actually focusing on the message that I have the intention that by the time I wake up, it gets to be solved instead of the story of, I have to deal with more anxiety the moment I wake up, I'm going to have to deal with this again tomorrow. Completely different energy. 100%, 100%. So whether it's, you know, whether you believe it's a spiritual team or whether you believe that it's the own power of your mind, either way, it's incredibly effective because you're, you're creating that belief within yourself that you do have the power to be able to change your mindset overnight, which is pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) And, or, and maybe it's both, maybe it's all the things. (laughs) Yeah. A hundred percent. We could talk about that for an entire podcast episode, but I would love to lean into the fact that you also have started your own business. You're an intuitive mindset and business coach. Did that coincidentally emerge at the same time of you becoming sober and really, really tapping into what your calling was? Um, kind of. So I actually tried to be a coach. I took a coaching program maybe like five years ago where I did like a business course for coaching. And then my life basically exploded in my face and I went through a really traumatic breakup. I had some horrendous personal things that were going on. And I had like the year of hell. So I needed to go on that journey to have like the self-compassion and the empathy that I now have. But when I stopped drinking, I basically realized that there was a hole in my life. So I work for Canva as a creative producer in my full-time job. And I was just, I was really struggling at the time. I was actually a digital designer and I was just really struggling because I just lost the passion. And I was like, I have trained for eight years to do this thing. And I am not lighting it up. Like people are telling me I should be enjoying it. You're in one of the top companies in the world. Like you should be loving this. And I was just, I was lost. I was lost. I was experiencing anxiety, obviously, you know, social anxiety. I couldn't speak in groups of more than two people without having an anxiety attack. And so I realized when I was going through this journey and I stopped drinking, I had all this time. I was like, okay, I need to find a new way for me to learn, first of all, but also to give back. So I decided to do a year long coaching diploma because I just really wanted to get in the craft. And whilst I was doing that, I realized that I was actually really good at it. Not not only was it helping me with my own personal growth, but I also loved having these conversations with people. You know, I would look forward to playing the coaching role whenever that was my turn in the week. So gradually over time, I was like, what would this look like if I was to turn this into a business? You know, and I started researching and found that it was actually a really lucrative industry. So I started down that journey of starting to overcome that. And then as a byproduct of that, I did like, you know, um, what do they call it? What is not acting? What did I do? <laughs> improv class. That was it. Oh, improv. I'm like, I don't know. Why are you looking at me? Like, I know. I swear I would have told you. I don't know I would have told you. You know everything about my life. <laughs> That's true. Um, but I, you know, as a byproduct of that, I did like improv class because I really wanted to build my confidence so that I could be on calls and do like podcasts. That's and- a brilliant thing for you to have chosen to do, by the way, because I, you know, I've obviously done a lot of training in all of that. And that is brilliant that you took initiative and had the confidence to do that because it helps with everything. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have the confidence. I just pushed myself. I literally put myself on a ledge and shoved myself off, but I was terrified. You know, I'd go to the classes and I'd be like sweating, borderline anxiety attack, 
It was eight weeks long and it was honestly one of the best things I've done for social anxiety. Wow. Everyone's really supportive. Nothing that you say is wrong. And it was just a great way to allow your mind to connect to your voice, which is often the problem with social anxiety is there's a disconnect between what you're actually saying and, and the thoughts in your mind. There's like a block. So, you know, through that, just started basically, yeah, setting up this business and um, absolutely fell in love with it. And then reintegrated all of the business stuff that I'd learned through Canva, because I started off as a mindset coach and reintegrated all of that actually after my coaching with Helena, because I realized that, ah, oh, this is actually a big part of like my life and, and who I've been. It's okay for me to reincorporate this back into everything I do. Yeah. So yeah, it's been a journey. And it's quite a journey because I know, um, and just to let the listener know, like your business is very successful. Like you're doing really, really well um, with what you've grown over the last, I guess, year or so. And you also have a very high up position at Canva. So what is that balance act like for you at the moment? Yeah, so um, it's taken time to sort of... um, understand how those two things slot into my mind and my life together. But I finally realized that the main thing that you need to do in order to balance two things and be okay with it is first of all, mindset work and accept that both things are there and that one isn't forcing you to be a part of it. So, you know, a lot of people, when they start a side hustle, they start to feel resentment for their full-time job. And that makes it crippling because you're exhausted. That inner turmoil that you have in your head So first of all, was trying to find acceptance of the position that I'm in and then trying to find a position that I loved at Canva, which I now have done, hence the move into creative producer role. And the second part has all been about understanding that right now I'm doing a lot so that I can live a life of freedom later. It comes down to my values. You know, a big value of mine is is freedom. And I know that by working this much now, And I work in the mornings and the weekends. It is a lot. But I know that in nine to 12 months time, I'm going to be working full time in a beautiful coaching business that I have put in a lot of work in that can, you know, support me without me having to work all hours of the day. So it's mainly mindset shifts, honestly. And then, you know, the time management comes second. And I really want to give you a moment and just say how much I honor and respect how open you are in your coaching business about the fact that you also work full time. Because I see a lot of people actually trying to pretend that they don't have other sources of income or especially in those beginning stages of business before maybe you can go full time in your own business. But I think it's important to look at it from that perspective because from a money mindset, energetical frequency, I can see, and I'd love to hear your perspective on this, that by having the support financially from Canva, it's actually taken the neediness and the pressure off of your business needing to be that lifeline for you. And you've also been extremely smart at taking any earnings that you have in your business because you don't need them to literally physically live on and you've put them back in so that when you leave, because at some point you are obviously going to leave Canva, you will have built the business up so much that like it's going to be in a completely different place had you put pressure on it in the beginning in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was one of the things that I 
was scared about the most was the scarcity mindset, feeling like you need it in order to be okay. I mean, one of the things that came out of our coaching journey together was that I had this need to prove. And so I think if I didn't have this support of Canva providing me with this income, I think I probably would have sunk into that place much more easily. You know, oh my God, not only do I need to prove to everyone that I can do this, but I also need the clients like for money. There would have been a double load of like desperation factor there. And I think that energy, as we know, energy is everything, is magnetic. You know, if you are feeling desperate, if you are feeling like I need this, I need this, I need this. That is the feeling of like scarcity and desperation. And that is what you're putting out. And it's like a repellent sometimes. And so I, that's exactly what I say to my clients. Exactly what you said is this allows you to be supported whilst you're growing this thing. And that's incredible. Like it's so incredible to feel that level of support that, you know, even if you don't make anything for two months, I'm not saying that that would happen. But if that did happen, you're still supported. You can live. like you know, you can focus on the things that are really going to move the needle for you. And so for me, that sometimes looked like taking longer between launches because I want to make sure the content is perfect before it goes out. So it's really, really digestible for people. And without that, I wouldn't have been able to spend that time on really making things that aligned with my soul. Yeah. And what would you say to somebody who maybe feels shame about the fact that they do have a career or a full-time job or a side hustle even that's supplementing the business that they're working or growing online? I would say work on reframing that ASAP because as soon as you can integrate it into being a part of who you are and part of your journey, the faster you are going to be able to use it as a platform. You know, if you can be like, this is part of me, this is part of my journey. I have this incredible full-time, part-time side hustle, whatever it is, that is allowing me to set up and build this thing that becomes part of your journey. It becomes part of your story that you can guide people on. There is, you know, nothing shameful about having multiple sources of income. Hell no. I live for multiple sources of income. I love counting them. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And so I think the, the shame kind of comes from comparison you know, like seeing what everyone else is doing and being like, well, this person's making this crazy amount of money and they started at the same time as me and they don't have a full-time job. So I, I've got to pretend that I don't in order to appear like I'm at the same level, whereas your tribe will find you. And I think that was probably the thing that I, I learned the most out of our coaching together was like your authenticity, your story, your journey, whatever that looks like, there are people that it's going to relate to. And it does not matter what that looks like, whether you've got a full-time, part-time job, there are going to be people that need to hear your story. So a lot of the people that I work with have part-time jobs and they're sort of like navigating that. How do I move the needle with my business whilst I'm also balancing this stuff? Amazing. That's incredible. You're so supported. Incredible. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, it's working on that reframe in your mind. How can you find space to accept both of these as part of you? How can you find passion and purpose in both of them? And even if it's just one provides me with support and the other is my purpose, that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to add on to that, that you will naturally and organically know, especially if you have the support on the mindset end, when it's time for that thing to fall off. 
Like you, it will just naturally fall off because the universe is supporting you and, and sending you signals and it will naturally feel like the right time to go full-time into your online business. I, I, I believe that to be true anyway. I 100% agree. At the moment, I'm in like a position where I could leave financially, but I, my permanent residency is tied with the company. So I've accepted that and I know that like organically, that is just my time. And as Helena says, like, you'll just, you'll get this pull. You'll just suddenly be like, oh, this just isn't aligning with me anymore. Like it makes more sense for me to just throw myself into it. There's always that intuitive pull, you know, absolutely listen to that intuitive nudge. Cause it's always trying to tell you something. Don't you think? Absolutely. And speaking of intuition, because I would like to talk a little bit more deeply about our money mindset journey together. I'd love you to share about even how you found me online. Because I love that. I just heard this story last week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So uh, whenever I want to work with someone or whenever I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to start up leveling again, I'll always get this intuitive pull and it will just feel like this like nudge in my body of like, yeah, okay, ready for the next step now. I'll always do this thing where I basically sit in a meditation and I ask for my next coach to be brought to me. And I just say, I just want them to be perfectly aligned. This is exactly what I want. And I just list it out. I don't do anything, you know, massive, like write it out every single day. I just set the intention with the universe. And again, I say like that little prayer before I go to bed and I just leave it with the universe um, and my spiritual team. And literally like the next day, Helena somehow popped up on like my Instagram And I was just like, I literally looked at like three of her posts and I was like, she's the one. (laughs) I like booked in a call. And I think you called out a fear of success on that call. And it just like, I hadn't even thought about it because what I was experiencing when, before I came to Helena was like self-sabotage. I was going into a launch and I was suddenly feeling really burnt out and really tired. And I was sabotaging. I didn't want to work. I was procrastinating. And I realized that it was coming back to money. So I knew I needed a money mindset coach. And we got on that call and you were like, it sounds like you have a fear of success. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) my mind is blown. I didn't even, I couldn't see that in myself at that moment. And that's like the beauty of a coach is being able to reflect back what you can't see in yourself. And yeah, so Mm. the universe guided me to you. I love that for a reason. And like, and it also, I I love that that's how you did it because it also supported me in calling in someone I'm super aligned with working with, which is just perfect. Um, Some people might be surprised to hear the words fear of success because people actually talk more about fear of failure, but I see fear of success being a lot bigger in women than actually the fear of failure. So what did that fear of success actually represent for you? Yeah, I would say that I've seen the same thing as well. Like it's probably more often than not a fear of success than it is a failure. And the fear of success for me was when I was growing up, I had always been told to hide the money that we had. You know, we we weren't badly off. Um, but with, you know, extended family, we were told to sort of like, oh, don't tell them that we're going on a holiday. Don't tell them that we're doing this. And if we were given presents from that side of the family, it was such a big deal. And over time, it made me feel really guilty for having money. And, you know, there was just some, some stories that my family would overtell, like, you know, again and again and again around, you know, what it was to spend money, what it was to have money. And there were some experiences, which I won't go into in too much detail, that 
you know, even later on in my life actually made me realize that, oh, I could lose the love of my parents if I have money. And over time, that started actually becoming this very self-restricting um, belief that if I have money, if I make more than this amount of money, I lose the love of my family. And so it was a very, very deep belief. But that's sort of how it, it started, the, the belief that was in me. And that then became procrastination, burnout, plateauing, and just feeling like I just wanted to give up, you know, and that's how it manifested. And that's why subconscious work is so important because I think a lot of people come to me thinking, I don't actually know. What did you think when you came to me? Like what money mindset work? Did you think that we were going to uncover certain aspects in that way? I, I'm actually not entirely sure exactly what I thought, but I knew that I needed someone to help me tackle the fear that I had of money. Cause I also was very scared of like, even just looking at my bank account. Yeah. Oh my God. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like really, really triggering for me. And so I knew that like, you know, the thing that was making me feel weird was I had a, you know, a $10,000, what do you call it? Printout on my vision board. And every single time I looked at it, it would give me anxiety. So I actually put it underneath my desk so that I couldn't see it. And I, over time, I was just like, I'm not, I, I kept on pushing the launch back and I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. And so I think I had hoped that you would be able to just sort of <laughs> get rid of the anxiety. I, I don't really know. I think, but I, I wasn't expecting where we went, like on any mm. stretch of the imagination. Because I think a lot of the stuff actually never ended up being about money. It was about worth. Yes. It was about who I was as a person and who I was like at my core and how I accepted myself and what I felt like I deserved and how I saw myself. And I think that was the thing that surprised me the most. I was, I was always so shocked at where we went in a session, you know, but every single session that we went to allowed me to, and facilitated me making more money because I was able to accept who I was through doing that work. Mm, absolutely. And I think a lot of people are surprised when they hear a money mindset expert say this, but it's not actually about the money. Yes. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, sometimes I feel like I have this like mass, I don't know, like if you ever go back past the movie theater, I've got this flashing light and sign and it says like money mindset or whatever, but you go inside and it's like, it's completely different when you actually enter the venue. Mm -hmm. But that's because it's not really about the money. It's about the subconscious programming and thought patterns and beliefs that have been formed that probably didn't have anything to do with money at the time, but are infiltrating that relationship as a result of it. So could you just share if you feel comfortable, like what were some of the very key raw beliefs that actually we uncovered, maybe around worth and, and even body image that ended up then magnifying in your relationship with money. Okay, let's get deep here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> We've already talked about spirit guides and alcoholism, so we're good. We we can keep going deep. <laughs> your audience knows me to the bone now. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Sorry, girl. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, no problem. Uh, this is this is what I'm here for. I'm here to share vulnerably. Um so one of the biggest things that I had to overcome was probably Okay. So there's a couple. The first thing was a body image thing. It was actually, um, this real crippling fear of like being seen without makeup, which was in turn, meaning that I couldn't show up on stories. Um, I couldn't, you know, just show up as myself because I had this belief that if I showed up as me, people were going to think I was disgusting, that I was 
a piece of shit that, you know, the vile things that I would say to myself. And, you know, we went into this in a couple of sessions and, you know, there were a couple of experiences when I was very young that shaped that belief. One in particular, you know, was there was like a guy I liked when I was younger and he chose someone that had like perfect skin over me or something and then started bullying me in front of other people. And in that split second, I made a belief that, okay, in order to be loved, you have to be perfect. You have to have perfect skin. And it's a jump, but that's what a child brain does. And so then every single time that, you know, I was ridiculed, I was, I was bullied like quite a fair bit for, you know, being myself, I often would attribute it to my looks. And I'd be like, oh, if I was more perfect. And this was when I was very young. You know, the first time this happened was when I was about 10. And then, you know, my, my mum was very sort of obsessed with sort of like how she looked and, and, you know, wearing makeup and everything. So that obviously then transferred over to me as well. Um, there were some things that happened in my adult life as well, where people were just assholes about like how I looked, you know, and I got myself in those situations and it was those things that I had to heal because I had this belief that if I'm not perfect, people will not sign up with me. People will not work mm-hmm. with me. So it may meant that if I tried to show up on a story, I couldn't do it unless I had a full face of makeup on or unless if I had like a face altering filter, like the idea of, I think the the feeling that we went in on was me showing up on my story with no makeup at all. And it was so triggering for me. I was like a 10. <laughs> you were like, rate yeah. this feeling between one and 10. I was like, <laughs> 10, 10, 10. <laughs> yeah. That was like a big one because I couldn't just be happy in my own skin. So that was probably one of the biggest ones. Another one was owning who I was naturally. So I think I'd always been sort of wearing this mask. You know, I spoke about being a chameleon earlier on and I had, although I'd I'd learned a lot about myself, I hadn't owned it. And I was still like terrified of, you know, being myself. So speaking about spirituality, speaking about my love of aliens and that I believe (laughs) that I'm a starseed and an ET. And I remember when I told Helena this, she was like, whoa, I love you. <laughs> and I was like, really? <laughs> I was like, where can I go watch all of these videos? Like that was my vibe. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel so seen yeah. and stuff like that. But also the fact that I'm, you know, I'm very expressive. I'm very, you know, sharp with my movements. And sometimes that can be portrayed as like aggressive, but I had this real view of myself that I was aggressive. I was um, a weirdo. I was a freak. No one liked me. And I was, you know, putting, if I tried to be myself online, people would just belittle me and bully me because that's what I'd experienced previously. Those are sort of like the beliefs. So I had the belief that if I'm me, I'll be rejected. I'll be hurt. I'll be criticized. I'll be bullied. And so obviously that meant that like creating content was really hard because I couldn't be me. I couldn't just show up on a story and speak because I'd be like, will this person like it? Will this person like it? So I'd go on to other people's stories and I'd be like, well, what are they doing? Maybe I'll mimic that kind of thing. And it's exhausting to do that. You know, it stopped me in so many different ways because, you know, when you're in a launch, you have to be on all the time, you know? On it, yeah. And so when you have the added layer of, okay, you can't be yourself. Wow. Like that's just, that's huge. So through like our coaching together, I started learning that it is okay to be me and it's safe to be me. I can be weird. I can love aliens. I can love spirituality. And actually those things are going to attract in my tribe and not repel it. And I think that was probably one of the biggest 
things that was affecting my money mindset because I was procrastinating from showing up. So I couldn't fully give myself to launching and being in my business because I was constantly holding myself back. And I think some of the other ones were about actually about money, like not feeling safe, not feeling worthy of bringing it in. I think I also had a thing around like, what does it say about me? Like everyone's going to hate me if I talk about money. You know, if I sell to people, I have to be a certain thing in order to sell and everyone's going to hate me if I do it. And so it was rewiring that and being like, no, they're not. It's safe to make money, you know, Mm. so that it, it gave so much more space. So I think those are some of the specific ones. Do you have another one that you're like, I want to go into? No, I mean, those are definitely some very big ones. I definitely, I mean, you've covered them the most, most of the deep ones. I think there's very real, we've already mentioned it. I think there were definitely very real beliefs about losing people in your life. If you were to show up, not just to make money, but this is how it's not about money, but it is about money, but to show up as your authentic self. And I've seen you show up as Haley so much more. And it's amazing, amazing to see. And now I see you also integrating and sharing what authenticity means for your clients and for your tribe and and your community. So what does authenticity, authenticity, oh my gosh, authenticity. (laughs) It's a hard one. (laughs) Mean mean to you now compared to what it meant to you before? So authenticity for me now feels, first of all, safe. Um, Mm. But second of all, if it means that you can be yourself without filtering at any point. So it means that you can go on your stories and just speak like I'm speaking to Helena right now, you know, with no filter, with no anxiety, with no fear of judgment. You can just own everything it is to be you, all of the experiences that you've had, and you don't hide any of that. You know, there's two sort of streams of authenticity, in my opinion. One is like how you portray yourself and like the things that actually make you you. And the other one is the owning of like your own experiences and your own journey, because you know, a lot of people will say, oh, I've experienced this thing. If people find that out, they won't like me, you know, and that owning of the story, that's why I'm so about sharing vulnerably. That's why I've literally laid my soul bare on this call, Um, because I really believe in owning a story. And I think that realization for me has led me to create this business model, which is built on creating a business that is authentically you and finding your authentic voice so that you can put it online and feel comfortable and supported and safe in doing that because it's so exhausting to have to pretend to be something that you're not online and i think you know it's become my calling to help other people find that authentic version of themselves even if they know what it looks like or they don't you know it's either to uncover or just to integrate into what they're doing in the online world and I love you've you've said this as a theme throughout, which is so important for any online business owner to remember is that when you show up as your authentic self, you naturally call in the clients or the customers who are aligned with you because you're giving them permission to be aligned with you by you being aligned with yourself. And that's really what it's about. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that was like a recurring theme that came out of our coaching. And it was one that was, that was drilled in a lot. And, you know, because these, (laughs) these thoughts would come up for me a lot and you'd be like, but what if, if you posted that story and one person saw it and you were perfect for them, 
And it was just that repetition of like, okay, let's, let's make this an experiment. Let's see if I put this out there, will I repel people? Will people unfollow me? And the answer was no. In fact, I have the most soul aligned clients I've ever had in my life now. I use attraction marketing, meaning that people come to me. I don't need to go out and cold DM everyone. You know, you speak to people's soul and you're using that authentic voice. I use my love of aliens. I use my weirdness so that I can connect with people, you know? And it's that stuff that you will repel people or attract in the wrong people if you're pretending to be something that you're not. A really classic one is people that pretend to be either extroverted or introverted, and they'll attract people. Typically, that extroverts or introvert energy will be attracted to potentially the opposite. So I actually attract a lot of very introverted people into my energy. I generally don't have massively brash extroverted coaches, but I know that my energy can be quite like extroverted sometimes. And so I do, some people are attracted to that. But if you're putting on this front, then you could attract the wrong type of energy. And that will mean that like the clients that you draw in or something, you end up dreading those calls because you're not aligned, you know, and you're having to like be something you're not, you're having to be on, you're having to like try, which is what being something that, you know, you're authentically not at your core can really actually start to get like quite detrimental to like your business and your growth and stuff like that. So, and I can't imagine anything worse. I was like, I got shivers when you said that. Like, oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever experienced like having a client that was just not aligned like that? Honestly, no, I can't think of it like that. Like I honestly, yeah. not certainly not since I did my money mindset work. Before my money mindset work, yes, absolutely. But I think when I discovered my authenticity and my purpose and my drive and started also showing up with more confidence in who I truly am, I love my clients. Like you're one of them. Mm -hmm. Like, come on, are you kidding me? Like, (laughs) And if I wasn't my authentic self, then you also wouldn't be drawn to me. So it's like, since since stepping into my authenticity and my power, I I can say, no, I, I haven't. But that's because of everything that you're saying. And I have one last question, although I could talk for ages. How has, because honestly, you're sitting in front of me and you're like a different person. And I don't think the listeners will quite grasp that because they hear somebody who is just so confident, is vulnerable, is sharing their story. But you showing up like this is so powerful and I honor and admire you so much. So that in itself has created profound changes, but how has shifting your mindset and those beliefs and releasing that programming had now an effect on your relationship with money? Oh man. I mean, it's huge. It's completely different. I don't feel anxiety when I do money. I understand the energy of money a lot more, but I also, I'm on track to make a lot more than a 10K month. And I feel really excited about it. I don't feel fear. It's not putting me off. I'm not procrastinating. I'm not allowing myself to get sucked into these self-doubt spirals or self-worth spirals. Like it just feels okay. Like I have, I have, you know, universe check, which is on my vision board for the amount of money that, that I want to bring in over the next couple of years. And that doesn't fill me with anxiety anymore. You know, I just know, and I believe that it's going to happen. And I think the biggest transformation for me has been understanding that like, I am worth 
whatever money I want to create. If I have a price tag, like if I have like an idea of a money that or a number that I want to make, that's in my reach. And that is okay to claim that, you know? And I think there's a lot of guilt that can come around wanting more money. Like even signing up for coaching with you, I was experiencing guilt around it. I was like, am I really going to do coaching for, for money, for making more money? And oh my God, I'm glad I did because it's made me realize that money doesn't have to be the root of all evil. There's so much programming that, you know, even my partner has around rich people are evil. Like, oh my God, rich taking from, rich taking, you know, people with money taking from people without, and it, that's actually not what happens. You know, it's an energetic exchange. And I think reprogramming all of that in myself has allowed me to have such a better relationship with money and with allowing myself to feel okay spending money. I mean, one of the things yeah. I never used to be able to do <laughs> is spend money. Yeah. Oh yeah. We forgot to talk about that one, but we won't go into it. But yeah, you literally couldn't spend money. <laughs> I literally couldn't. I literally sat behind me is a new bookshelf that I, I eventually got it. That was one of the <laughs> pieces of homework. Like everyone's homework is always different when working with me, but one of the pieces of homework that with Hayley, I had to set was going shopping for herself <laughs> and buying a new bookshelf. Because <laughs> honestly, all of my things had like holes in them and this bookshelf would just make me feel so li- low vibe. But it took me so long to do. I put off that piece of homework for ages. I was like, I can't do it. But sat behind me right now is a new bookshelf and I have uh, replaced it. And I, you know, accept that spending money on myself isn't I, it's something that I need to feel guilty about. Hayley, this has been an even more epic conversation than I could have possibly prepared for. (laughs) And I really thank you for being so open and so honest, because I know that there are going to be so many takeaways and things that people resonate with listening to this because of your authenticity. So thank you for that. Where can people learn more about you and connect with you and even share what they took as a takeaway from this episode? Sure. So you can find me on Instagram, Hayley June Lloyd. That's where I sort of share all of my coaching bits and bobs and daily tips and stuff like that. If you're interested in building like an authentic business for yourself, I share a lot of information on my Instagram as well, but make sure to give me a DM. Um, I have a free challenge coming up to help people attract and convert dream clients by being authentically themselves. So if any of the stuff that I have spoken about today resonates and you're looking to actually understand how you can use attraction marketing yourself by being authentically you, then you should come along to the free MasterCard. It's going to be a three-day training. I'll give Helena the link so she can pop it in the notes. But yeah, it's going to be really, really fun. Yeah. And you also have a podcast. So give a shout out to the podcast. I do have a podcast. I always forget to give a shout out to the podcast. <laughs> like people are listening right now to a podcast. It would probably make sense to give the podcast a shout out. <laughs> oh, you're so right. Um, so the podcast is called The Inner Light Podcast. And yeah, you can find it on Apple, Spotify, and I share all tips and tricks for finding your authenticity, finding your inner light and reintegrating that into your life and your business. So that is another great place to find me. <laughs> yeah. And you can actually hear an episode where Haley actually interviews me as well on my it's a great money one. mindset journey. So yeah, you can go check that out at the same time. Thank you so much, Haley. I hope it warms up for you soon. Thank you. Me too. My hands are currently numb. <laughs> <laughs> 
If you loved today's episode, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes and hit the subscribe button because women supporting women is my jam. And if you want extra daily doses of motivation, then be sure to follow me on Instagram at girl underscore unfiltered and go ahead and screenshot this episode. Send me a DM and share your biggest takeaway because I love hearing from you and I just really want to drop into your DMs basically. (laughs) So I'm sending you so much love and abundance and have an amazing day. Thank you.